Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us. We have a really good program ahead. Please enjoy this clip. It's uh, out of Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It was recorded in 2002. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, and I saw him high and lifted up. And the train filled his temple. In order to see the Lord high and lifted up in every single person's life, there has to be death to something or death to somebody. And I don't mean physically, although maybe that's true. There has to be a subtraction for the Lord to be added. Above it stood these seraphims. And I have told you, and I will reiterate it for new folks here, that they took Satan's place at the throne, taking care of the administrative and matters, and also the music of the angels, and also the teaching of certain angelic doctrine. And as they did this, they were six-winged. That, I've shared with you, means rank. The cherubims had four wings. Satan was a member of that class of angels. But the seraphims had six. And in Revelation 4, 5, and 6, it was mentioned yesterday on radio, they were full of eyes, and that meant full of doctrines. So, the Word of God says that here are these seraphims, and they're overwhelmingly enjoying as they cry out one to another, Holy Holy, holy. Is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. With twain, the, the face was covered. With twain, the feet were covered. And with twain, they did fly. In the midst of the Lord being high and lifted up, there must not be the face of the reader or believer on the seraphims. I don't want you to, says the Holy Spirit, to know what they look like, so I'm covering their face. Your eyes must be fixed upon the Lord who's high and lifted up. And it's unique because the feet also, they were covered. But of course the wings were not because they speak of life from the throne. I don't want you as holy as the seraphims are 
I don't want you to receive your teaching from their holiness. I want you to receive your teaching from their observation of his holiness. And the seraphims speedily were executing the will of God. And it's a very unique thing to be so free that you can speedily execute the will of God. But one of the great lessons of Isaiah 6 is their overwhelming confession of holiness. Follow peace with holiness. Without it, no man shall see God. Holiness. Holy is the throne. Holy is grace on demonstrated upon the finished work seat of the Lord Jesus. Holy are the angels and holy are the saints that have gone to meet him. Heaven filled with holiness. This is why many individuals are not hungry for their conversation from heaven. This is only one thing that you receive from them or from heaven. And that's a deeply rooted teaching of experience of faith in holiness. Holy without sin. Holy without iniquity. Holy without strife or anxiety or fear. Holy without being spotted of the world or blemished. By the devil. And revival is simply being quickened by the word of God. To come to experience a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ full of grace and truth. And his personal holiness. We talk about his personal Lordship, his personal salvation. Then a person goes to get to know him with personal holiness. Lord, you're holy, but you've made me holy. Yet I'm a sinner. Lord, you're holy. Without sin. But you've made us holy. We are so grateful. That you do not know us after the flesh. Even though you have to discipline us after the flesh. You do not know us in sin. Even though we are sinners, you see us complete 
see us perfect. You see us righteous. You see us in your finished work. We will never, Lord, be able to comprehend this, but we're certainly apprehending it. We're going on to apprehend it. And if a person could be residual in their faith and resident with this truth in their hearts, if they could do that, the faith rest of God the Father would fill their soul. I don't have to tell you in Zephaniah 3.17 that the Lord rests in in his own love. And I'm so thankful that he rests in his complete and perfect love. And that's where I'm going to meet him in holiness. I can't do it through attainment or achieving. I, I must do it by accepting and resting where he is. Holiness takes away tempers and anger. Takes away every form of hypocrisy. It leaves me with my Lord on a throne, high and lifted up. And I see him in his finished work victory. Seated above. And then I learned that that's exactly where I'm seated too. No wonder in Hebrews it is called the great salvation. The post of the door was moved. The voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. So, the word of God teaches that there was a voice involved in this. And the voice, says the word of God, was at the post of the door as the post of the door moved. Why did the post of the door move? In the original, it's the post of the door became open. The voice of God will always open up the door. This is in the temple. And the word of God says it was filled with smoke. And that means incense. The formula that no man can copy, that no man can ever counterfeit. The incense that's only for the temple. And then the prophet in his precious sweetness said, Woe is me. I'm undone. 
My life has totally been turned upside down after perhaps 30 years of preaching. I finally saw the Lord. Oh, I preached about the Lord. I was a a Jew that believed in the Scriptures. And I preached about the Lord. My faith was in the truth. But I had never, I never saw the Lord. And I realized that all this time I was a man with unclean lips. In the midst of a people with unclean lips. I realized that. But I'm about to see the manifestation. Because mine eyes have seen the King. The Lord of hosts. Here's my lips that are unclean. But while I have unclean lips, my eyes see the King and the Lord of hosts, the power over all the angelic creatures. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me. These holy creatures that observe the holiness of God had a ministry. In Hebrews 1.14, they flew unto me. Me with unclean lips. Me who has failed as a prophet for 30 years. They came to me. And in the beautiful aroma and fragrance of a divine formula. They went and got a live coal in their hand that they... And they took it with tongs from off the altar. A live coal. Something that would consume the iniquity of the tongue and of wrong confessions and false communication about because of the ignorance of the finished work. The seraphims used the tongs. And the tongs always speak of that means of transfer. While the coal speaks of the individual operation of the Holy Spirit upon an individual. One coal, one Isaiah, me. And of course, the coal is placed right on my tongue. Right at the source of my 30-year problem. Touch my lips. He laid it up on my mouth. But as he did so, he said, Thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. God never convicts 
without doing something about my problem. So he's doing something about my problem. And as he does something about my problem, oh, and it came from the altar. It came from a vision of seeing the Lord. And the whole purpose was not to condemn me. The whole purpose was to take care of the problem that has existed for 30 years. And gentlemen that they are, the Trinity is as gentle as they are, Father, Son, and Spirit, in unison, they said, who will go for us? Who will go? Isaiah was the only one that was in the audience. But they won't address him. They will not address him. Who will go for us? How could I but not go with you or for you? Then God beautifully said, I must explain to you it's not fair if I don't give you what's going to happen. Your sermon sermons, better still, it's going to cause every single Jew to leave town. Do you understand that? You're not going to have a mega church. But 10% will come back. So don't get discouraged when you can't get 11 Ten will come back. I wish we could reach ten percent of all of Baltimore and have them in church. So the story of a king that went from the palace to dying of leprosy with no company. The story of a prophet who finally saw the Lord. The marriage must see the Lord. The single life must see the Lord. The single mother must see the Lord. The family must see the Lord. The pastor must see the Lord. And you have to see him high and lifted up. The Bible college student must see the Lord or he won't pray and get a job. He won't stay in school. He won't do anything with his training. He's got to see the Lord. It's the throne that motivates action. It's the thrones and the gentle words of God that produce response. And as we continue in closing with this journey, this journey of Grace, this journey of love, this journey of growing as we continue in it. The secret, the key, is to understand the holiness, which is, which is strictly this. 
It's finished. He became sin. He took care of my sins. And he's perfectly holy. And he gave me 68 things the day I knelt and accepted him. And now I am holy. And it's the holiness that God has placed me in. That a thousand times in years brings me back to where I can serve Him again. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com What a message. What an amazing broken message. To see the Lord lifted up on a throne. This program, though you may not be listening to it during this season, it's being recorded on Good Friday, right in the Easter season, and the cross is very much on my mind. This this parallel that we see is God on a throne, in glory, lifted up. The King, that all kings, just give us a glimmer of this mighty King. All the majesty, all the pomp, all the royalty that the emotions that it invokes in our minds and yet they're just shadows of the actual throne that angels worship around every moment every day that one day we will be there and we will see that throne that God sits on and Christ sits at his right hand and now we live and we see through a glass darkly and Christ is lifted up on a cross, but yet he sits on a throne now when we speak about it. And I look at the cross and I see the throne. Just like the brazen serpent in Numbers 21.9, saying of the judgment of the cross, brass speaks of judgment, that sin would be judged, that there'd be an end to death, there'd be a remedy a healing we could look to and we look to the cross and we get a glimpse of who this person is, what he says on the cross, his whole manner from the Gospels we read. and It's overwhelming, the humility, the majesty, the Roman soldier would come away saying that this was the Son of God because to him it was obvious this man had such dignity in the most undignified of positions, he had dignity. He was on that cross willingly, having stepped away from a throne. He, he mounted a cross for our sakes. But when we get a glimpse of the throne, oh, when we get a glimpse of the cross, it does something to us. We are cleansed. We are purged. The fire of that situation, we look at the cross and if we we allow ourselves to contemplate the suffering, the, the 
the incredible contradiction, the love that's manifested that someone would go to such an extent to pay for our sin and to show us that we're loved. In the face of a world where we seem very small, we look at that cross and God has time to speak to a thief who was mocking him moments before to tell him that he would be with him in glory. And God has time to speak to us. He doesn't speak to us from the cross anymore. He speaks to us from the throne. He has ascended on high, seated at the right hand of his Father. And he has words to speak to us from that throne. And if we hear them, we'll hear who will go for us. Our mouths will be purged when we admit in the face of that glory our inadequacy. There's no shame there. There's only cleansing of the coal taken from the altar to cleanse our lips. That we would see the throne. That we would see God high and lifted up. That that would happen in our lives. Oh yes. Makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. And we don't have to have heaven open up and have that revealed to us. As Stephen saw Christ stand up for him, we don't have to have that happen. We can look at the cross and see the throne. And it can change our lives. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com Maybe before you've seen the the cross as some religious icon or you've passed by it many times and it doesn't seem real in some ways, but we speak to you today and we say, just as God sits on the throne in heaven and that's real and we don't see it day to day, we will see it one day. And the cross was a real place where a real man hung to pay for the sins of the world. And not just everyone in the world, but you. You. Yes, everyone, but but you. Would you gaze at the cross with me now? Would you pray a prayer, knowing that he died for your sins? That he was buried, that he rose on the third day, and he ascended on high to be seated at that right hand. And he has a desire that that he would be present in your life and that you would be present with him there when when the end of your life comes you would be with him so pray a prayer with me Father in heaven I, I gaze at the cross and it's no longer impersonal to me and I, I want to invest faith in this great act of love so I present myself to you I don't have anything I, in a lot of ways very messed up person but come believing in what your son has done and I ask you to transform my life come into my life indwell me with your spirit change me give me a new name a new birth you promised that you do it in the scriptures I pray that you would and I ask these things believing in your son and I pray these things to you father in, in his name in Jesus name amen